Hey everyone, this is Flippin' Finance. I'm Samus Moore and I'm joined by my co-host Fabian. Good morning. Today is February 1st, 2023. And today we're talking about the impending debt ceiling doom cycle and the layoffs in the news. So it should be a good one. And as always, Fabian, kick the disclosure music. None of this is investment advice and does not constitute an offer to buy or sell securities, nor do any of my opinions reflect those of my employer, Vallejo Financial Advisors, or any of its affiliates. This is for educational purposes only. We are lazy, so we have no duty to revise any of this information. With that out of the way, if you get one thing out of this episode, Fabian, don't forget Valentine's Day is coming around the corner. I mean, this could be that that topic could be the economy of the Valentine's Day uh, could be a whole podcast episode and stuff. Are you guys? Are you doing anything for it? I'm sure. Well, I thought I thought me and you were going on a date. True, we we have done it before, (laughs) so I wouldn't be shocked with our with our significant others. But (laughs) getting to the uh, so last week you asked about the the debt ceiling kind of crisis or however you want to phrase it, and then I had two clients actually. Uh, ask about it. So I, when I was sitting down to think about like what I was going to write about or what we would talk about this week, I was like, let's just let's just do the the debt ceiling. And if you could just like create like a little soapbox noise, <laughs> because I'm going to get on my soapbox real quick. Because like this is like one of my pet peeves when it comes to like financial news media or anything that is just for for clicks and ratings when it comes to finances. When I say you know debt ceiling crisis. You know, for one, no one knows what the heck that is. And two, it sounds scary. So like now I'm I'm listening type mm-hmm. of thing. You're like, uh, there's impending doom. Uh, there's a debt ceiling crisis. The, the U.S. dollar is going to implode. Uh, we need ammo, guns, butter for my shelter in the back because the government is just going to fall apart type of thing. You know, is that, is that where your head went? Because that's where like I have friends that go like, well, everything's going to blow up. Yes. And it just. Yes. I, I do. That, that That is exactly where I go. Well, it, and it works. Like, it's a great, like, catchy high, uh, headline to get you kind of, like, fired up, revved up, like, concerned. Like, honey, did you hear about the debt ceiling? Like, oh, my God, type of thing. So, like, it works. And that's, like, this, like, my pet peeve is because we're going to peel back the layers a little bit. And, yes, it's an issue, but it's, it's not an issue that you need to, like, do literally anything about. Is there a conspiracy so. here that these headlines kind of make markets move? And like they make things sound scarier when they want certain things to happen in the economy. I don't. I don't know so much about these type of headlines because th- this is what I would call a a known known. Like the market knows that the, the debt ceiling is is going to be like a quasi issue until it's resolved. Where headlines do move markets is when you have what I would call a known unknown. So, for example, we have the Federal Reserve is meeting today. And they're going to probably raise rates by 0.25%. And the big thing will be what Jay Powell says about future rate hikes and how long they want to keep uh, rates at these at these levels. So that's a known unknown. And headlines and, and takeaways from whatever he says will probably move markets a good bit today. So if he comes out what they would call hawkish, meaning he wants to keep rates higher, 
then you could see a little bit of a market sell-off. You could see rates going up as it, as it recalibrates. So I don't think there's like a conspiracy, but there's just some headlines in a way do move things because expectations change when those stories come out. I still have my tinfoil hat on and I will continue to Good. keep it on. Good. We'll keep it on for this because for some odd reason, the United States and Denmark, so two the only two countries in the world are the ones that have a cap on the amount of debt their governments can have. You know, you, your real conspiracy tin hat could be on because Denmark just raised theirs so that it was never going to be an issue. They were just like, we're going to set, I forget what the amount is, but there's like, we'll set it at such a high amount, we'll never have to address this again. And the United States was like, no, we kind of want to have an impending doom crisis, you know, every like 10 years because it, you know, really gets the people going. Um, <laughs> but the, the U.S. habitually runs a budget deficit, and that pretty much just means we, the U.S. spends more, uh, the government spends more than they take in in tax revenue and, and other things like that. Now, in, in my humble opinion, running a budget deficit isn't the end of the world. We've been doing it since forever. The only times the, the budget's really been balanced was back in 2001, before 9-11, and then for like a brief period of time in the 90s. So even with like Reagan and Carter and all those people before that, we've been running budget deficits. So it's just, there's a certain, you know, I don't think we'll ever see the, the government but uh, balance its budget. And at the same time, you don't really need to pay off the government debt mm. eventually. So um, like Apple has corporate debt. You know, it's never going to eventually pay off its debt. Uh, other companies have, have other debt. Um, the only place where you really see like debt completely paid off is is like personal and people. And that's just because it's more of an emotional thing. If you're doing like a business transaction, debt, that's a good thing. It allows you to do certain activities, leverage, uh, future income, all, all these type of things. So only on the personal side do you see people not have debt, whereas companies and governments always do. And it's just a matter of having a, a different perspective. And people are like, well, government shouldn't have any debt, whereas I view U.S. treasuries as like a great asset for my clients to buy type of thing. So that was my other soapbox about government debt and conspiracies but back to the uh the debt limit it's currently at 31.4 trillion and just for perspective a trillion is 1 million million so that's a lot so i don't want to say like you know, government government debt is fine at any level there is a point at which you're kind of like eh, you know the debt is too high type so of how thing. high did denmark um, raise it is it like a quad i don't even know like their their debt is like they're much much small like almost i would i would bet like 40 of our states are bigger than Denmark's GDP type of thing. Got it. You know, like we, I can look it up later. They, raise, they don't need to raise it higher than what we've raised it to. Yeah. But relative to the yeah. size of their country, it's like astronomical. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's probably, we probably have the same percentage of, of debt around there. I bet US has a little bit higher, but I bet Denmark has a similar percentage of, of debt to its GDP on there. So, Right now, that's our, our ceiling. We can't legally borrow any, any more than that. So Congress sets the rules. U.S. Treasury is the one that uh, facilitates the U.S. debt. And if they can't, the, the big concern is if the U.S. Treasury can't uh, create more debt because we got the debt ceiling, then we would technically default on the debt type of thing. So that would be really bad because... U.S. Treasury, I just said, like, I love it for my clients. It's considered the risk-free asset. 
Uh, right now, it's paying around 4%, 4.5 if you go further out on the yield curve to about a year. So I can get 4.5% without taking like any risk type mm. of thing, uh, hypothetically, because the U.S. US has never defaulted on its debt. That's why it's considered the best. It's also the the biggest, most liquid market out there. So that's why it's a great security to own if you're, you know, like a uh, tall finance guy like me. You're like, yeah. But what about when the yield curve inverts? <laughs> oh, well, see, that's different. So like you actually, if you want to get like technical on it, when the yield curve inverts, people think, and we have a whole post on this, so go, go read it, but an inverted yield curve is when short-term rates are higher than long-term rates. And that's just, in finance, that's not normal. But actually, what ends up happening is, so those, those short-term rates start rolling off and you have these long-term rates. So people get really short on their bond portfolios. It's like, oh, I'm getting this great, great return now. But what you have is reinvestment risk. So if I get a U.S. Treasury now at 4.5 one year, I get 4.5% for one year and then it matures in one year. But now I have to reinvest those proceeds probably at a lower rate than it was at 4.5. So like people crowd on the short end of the curve, but I almost take the opposite one. You want to extend your duration, and that way you don't have reinvestment risk, and your total return over that time period is higher. And that is how you manage a bond portfolio, ladies and gentlemen. But the, the, the big thing with the debt ceiling is like if the U.S. defaults on its debt, that's really bad. It's never had before. And then that's where kind of like the finance people on TV get like really up in arms. It's like the US dollar is going to implode. The financial system will fall apart. You can just start creating like these really good narratives around what what can and could happen type of thing. But we've dealt with this before. So I was just like, let's put this in proper context. It's happened before. What are the implications? What did it look like? So in 2011, very similar situation happened. We we were coming close to the debt ceiling. We had a divided Congress. There's not really a reason for them to compromise early. In a way, the, the debt ceiling is like a bargaining chip for each side to try and get concessions out of the other one. It's kind of, um, we talked about this earlier, but a Mexican standoff in a way where you just have both sides just like staring at each other and it's like, who's going to blink first type of thing? And that's what they're going to do. So we'll hit the debt ceiling later this summer. And it'll be the Republicans and Democrats in Congress staring each other down and seeing who's going to blink type of thing. And and they probably will uh, come to some resolution eventually. But why would you resolve a crisis early? Why would why would you be practical? I don't know. But the same thing happened in 2011. And the S&P 500 fell roughly 16% during that time. And it fell 16% pretty quickly over like a three-week period. So that's a pretty quick sell-off in stock market turn, uh, stock market terms. So you can start seeing a little bit of the panic set in of like the uncertainty. And markets hate uncertainty. So in the show notes, we've also got the uncertainty index for economic policy in the U.S. And you can see it just really take a big spike up in there. So whenever there's higher uncertainty, what we would call higher volatility, markets are going to move around a little bit more as the kind of that known unknown we talked about earlier. We know this is a thing, but the unknown is like, will they resolve this? And that's how the how and why the market will probably move around a little bit until they get uh, a resolution. So, in there. question question on this: um, to knowing that that happened in 2011, kind of this uh, markets falling 16 percent. 
when you're working with somebody, is this kind of where you have a plan? I, I know we talked about having a financial plan and like accounting for things that will happen. Is this something that you can like, not necessarily set your clock for, but be like, okay, kind of around this time, this is going to happen in your mind. Know that when that market falls, like that's a good time to invest. I wouldn't even say invest. So like me, I, I default to being 100% invested in something. I'm not going to keep cash on the sidelines because something like this is going to happen every year. So this year it'll probably be like debt ceiling crisis. COVID was 2020, 2019. Uh, there was probably some reason. I remember 2018, we were having like recession concerns on there. So like me, I default to being at least in my investable assets, uh, 100% in, in whatever is an appropriate risk profile for, for that client. Now, now what I do in this situation is, is you're, you're monitoring. I'm not going to guess what the market's reaction is going to be to the debt ceiling crisis. But if I see us take a, a 15% drop, and then it looks like things, you can kind of see the chart in here, like things kind of level out before they kind of go back up. What I do with portfolios is I'm just going to rebalance. So you've got bonds in there. You might have some, some alternatives in there as well. Those do really well during crises like this. So they usually go up in value. And what I do is sell a little bit of those, go back and buy stocks and keep my risk profile similar. So I'm never really going to try and guess at what's going to happen, but I'm just going to manage risk and, and rotate and rebalance. That's a great question. And that kind of goes into like my best guess of, of what's going to happen of I was making a slight joke of why would anyone ever compromise? But given the, the, how both sides aren't really working together right now, I bet they just go to, all the way to midnight on this thing until there's a concession of, of, some, of some type. I don't think we're going to get a default, but I think the headlines will be scary. Maybe we'll get like a government shutdown or things like that. But like things will probably be fine is, is my guess. And but it'll be like a lot of uncertainty of like, well, what's going to happen to the economy and things like that. Looking at history, there'll be like a little like kind of road bump. But like as long as you're not going 80 miles an hour, <laughs> you know, through the neighborhood, you know, and hitting that speed bump, like you should be fine type of thing. Is your tinfoil hat still on or is it off? It's still on. I'll be okay, watching. Good. I'm listening. I'm paying attention. <laughs> and then another thing that we're seeing in the headlines a lot is is unfortunately layoffs. So uh, never there's a human side to layoffs. So want to want to acknowledge that. Um, I know we have some friends that are probably uh, going through some tough times at, at some companies. But once again, I just wanted to put the the headlines into context. And right now, what we're seeing is mainly tech companies making job cuts. So, in my opinion. These companies are just right-sizing over the estimates of their continued growth. So we had 2020, and we've got it here in the show notes, kind of like you have this linear growth in a way, and then a big shoot-up in e-commerce because of, of, of COVID, people staying home, ordering a lot of things. So companies like Google, Amazon, Microsoft, and, and Facebook, Meta, they grew their headcounts significantly. So we've got a chart in here. Uh, pretty much uh, Google grew their headcount by 25% over two years. Amazon doubled their, their headcount in three years. Microsoft, uh, 50%, and Meta, uh, call it 75%. So these, these four companies grew their headcount a ton. 
for estimating about just future growth. And it turns out that we're just returning to the historical growth of, of their businesses. So uh, just making a guess here, let's say that Google, Amazon, and Microsoft all grew 30% during COVID because of how things changed. And they thought they would keep growing 30%, but really they're just returning to like that average 10 to 15% growth. And with that, unfortunately, they need to right size some of their some of their workforce. So that's that's why people say recession's coming, there's job cuts. Well, in my mind, it's still a lot of it is still in just e-commerce where they overhired, frankly. So when you and this is in the notes too, you can go look at the amount of uh, companies that are talking about layoffs. It's still below historical trend. Also, when you look at what's called JOLTS, so JOLTS is a job opening and labor something survey. And they'll double check that. But that comes out every Thursday. That's still really historically low. So that's how many people are like applying for unemployment and who got laid off. That's still really low. Employment is still at like 3.5%. So labor market is still really strong when you look at things. So that's like another headline to put in context. Yes, it's scary. Yes, like when you see thousands of people losing their job, that's not great. <laughs> but it's kind of right-sizing for where things should be and the labor market is still really strong. Mm. That was a lot of rambling for me. No, that was good. Okay. <laughs> I like it. That okay. was good. Okay. Are you less scared? Uh, I mean, yes. I think we've, we've hit on this topic several times over the course of this podcast. And, you know, to your point, there's myriad factors that kind of go into this. It's not just the headline. And while some layoffs could be bad, there's other things that are good that, that kind of paint a better picture, broadly speaking, of like what's actually happening, happening uh, in the economy. Um, so, you know, to keep the tin foil hat uh, theme going throughout this episode, it's just another one of those headline things that, you know, I'm lumping into the conspiracy bucket to say that they're trying to get things to move. Yeah, that's fine. You can do that. Yeah. That's, that's like my lazy opinion. Yeah, sure. Well, I also think it's it's easier to be like, oh, Amazon is cutting 20,000 jobs this year, recessions imp uh, impending, click here type of thing. Or it's a lot harder to be like, well, you know, Amazon overinvested in the growth it was expecting from COVID. And 20,000 people, you know, losing their jobs is sad. But at the same time, that is 1% of their workforce or whatever right. it is. You know, it's just a, a right sizing of the 800,000 people that they hired in three years. Right. I think where it gets frustrating yeah. is like at the very, like the last line of the article is always just like, well, the recession isn't here yet, but this could be an indicator that it is coming. <laughs> well, that's the thing. that's why like I don't I don't yeah, and that's why you made the the question the the great question of like well, what, am I going to try and do anything with the debt ceiling or the independent recession? There's always going to be a concern in the market, and I'm not going to be able to time it uh, correctly and or get back in at the right time. So you're making two decisions there, and the more you're you're fiddling with your portfolio and making changes. Uh, the more liable you are to make mistakes and create taxes. So that's why it's like I adjust. It's kind of like um, jujitsu and wrestling in a way. I'm not going to um, like force my will on like a portfolio market. I'm going to like use the momentum of the market to like take advantages of it, if you will. 
Dude, speaking of jujitsu, you have a black belt in analogies. I think you do these very well. <laughs> last oh, last week it was all movie quotes, and I loved it. Okay, right. we we could do like themes, <laughs> themes, themes of of the analogies. Yeah. Um, well, if you don't, do you have, do you have any other questions? No. Okay. Well, I think that's a great place to to end it, as always. So we've done uh, two or three listener question posts and. An episode, so feel free to reach out to Fabian and I on on your questions. Uh, feel free to subscribe and please rate the podcast. That would always help. I think we I think we've got like ten five star ratings, so you got to start somewhere. So uh, appreciate your time and thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.